Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am the Fish Tank Guy, and welcome to the very first Fish Tank Guy podcast, where I'm going to be talking about any and any and everything, along with some fish-related stuff. Mostly going to try to focus on the fish-related stuff, so I can be a fish-related podcast, if you know what I'm talking about. So. This is the very first episode, and it will probably be the worst episode because I don't really know what I'm doing, so bear with me as I fumble my way around here with the technology and the recording and the whole talking without planning ahead business and whatever. So uh, I've sort of planned this podcast out a little bit to include some segments that I think are going to be interesting for the fish lovers out there, for for the aquarium hobby folks. And, um, yeah, so we're just going to see how it pans out. I might get one listener, I might get five, I might get ten, I might get none. So, uh, I'd really appreciate your feedback. You let me know what you'd like to, to see or listen to on the podcast. And I will be, uh, more than happy to try to do that for you. So, by the way, this is for the week of September 25th, 2017. I'm going to try to do the podcast maybe once every other week, keep it to roughly a half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. It'll be a nice listen for you on your way to and from work or school or wherever you're going. So without further ado, let's get into it. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about uh, something I got to get off my chest, but first off, how you doing? How's everybody doing out there? You having a good work week, a good school week? Don't know, good Good unemployed week, whatever might be going on with you. You having a good fish week? Lose any fish this week? Uh, Buy any fish this week? Kill any fish this week? Hey, we've all got our problems, right? Anyway, uh, say for me, my week's been pretty good. The only thing that I have a a complaint about that I'd like to air with you guys has to do with the ever-popular food chain Panera Bread. Now, I... Don't know if it's just me or it's other people, but I've had issues with Panera Bread for since forever. And, you know, my wife really loves Panera Bread, so we ended up going there more often than I'd prefer, only because I don't like supporting them out of just the principle of it. It's not that they don't have good food. It's not that they uh, don't do interesting stuff with their sandwiches and their salads, which I don't eat anyway. But... You know, I appreciate that part, but there are some things about Panera that I just do not understand, I don't get, and I don't like. So, look, the first is the cost. Panera is supposed to... What is Panera? Is it fast food? Is it sit-down dining? They can't really decide what they want to do, because it's not fast food. I'll get back to that in a minute. And it's not fine dining either. It's somewhere in between, which I guess is fine. But... Look, you go there and you buy a glorified ham sandwich and you're paying eight bucks. Eight bucks for a glorified ham sandwich with some tomato, some fancy sounding cheese, and some fancy bread. In reality, it's just a fancy ham sandwich. Eight dollar ham sandwich, right? So here's here's where my my experience this week starts. I get into the drive through line at Panera. Because we had an evening where we didn't feel like cooking, and it was just me and my wife, so I figured, hey, we will, uh, well, I'll get some food that she likes, right? So I'll go to Panera. I was gonna go to Chipotle. I got to Chipotle. The line was out the door, so I said, forget it, and I went to Panera. 
I should have stayed in the line of Chipotle. But I knew my wife wanted the autumn squash soup specialty of the fall. Even though it wasn't. Oh, no, it was fall. September 21st. It was fall. Okay. So, you know, I get in the drive through line. And I pull up like normal. Oh, I'd like a bowl of autumn squash soup. And I would also like, I get, my favorite is a Frontega chicken panini. A uh, glorified chicken and cheese sandwich. You know what I mean? So I pull up and I go, okay, I'll take the you know Frontega chicken panini whole. And uh, the guy working the drive-thru goes, um, sorry sir, but uh, we're actually out of the bread that the Frontega chicken panini is usually made on. Is there another type of bread I can interest you in? Now, realistically, honestly, I'm not a bread guy. I couldn't tell you, well, I could tell you white from wheat, but beyond that, um, if you put them in front of me, I wouldn't really know uh, which is which, right? So I just go, hey, well, uh, what what would you recommend? What what goes good on it? He goes, well, um, you could eat, you could definitely go with the, uh, and I don't I don't remember the name of it. Right, you could definitely go with. I'll just call it bread B. You could definitely go with bread B. That would. Uh, that's what. That's what most people go with if uh, we're out of the main style bread. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds good. I'll, I'll go with that. Well, actually, sir, I'm. I'm sorry, but we're actually out of that bread. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, why would you give me that option if you're out of that bread? I just, <laughs> I almost started laughing right in the drive-through, and I almost started screaming at the same time because the guy was so hard to listen to, uh, and then he gave me a choice that they didn't have. I almost just, I almost just burst out laughing. So then I go, oh, "Okay, well, um, uh, what bread would you use that you do have?" <laughs> well, sir, um, that bread C uh, is a good fit for the ingredients on that sandwich. A good fit for the ingredients. Okay. All right, yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with bread C on my Frontega chicken panini. The the sandwich is already gimped. I'm already not getting the top quality normal bread that it comes on. Like I like I care what the difference is, right? But it's already gimped. He said, "Okay, I'll give you the chips. Fine, good with the chips." And then I moved my car up and I sat in line in the drive-through for I kid you not, almost 20 minutes. 20 minutes, and I think there were maybe two cars in front of me. Maybe the third, maybe there was a third, but that third was like, you know, leaving the window as I pulled up from ordering. So I had two cars in front of me. I waited in line for 18 minutes for my overpriced, uh, for my overpriced sandwich and my bowl of soup. Oh, this is an important point here. I ordered a bowl of soup, a bowl. So I pull up 18 minutes later. I'm watching the people drive through in front of me. Their totals are astronomical. The one, the one car, their meal total was $45.45, $45 for eating at Panera, right? So they pull through. I pull up. Here's this Here's this dopey-looking dude, right? <laughs> Man, he matched his face perfectly. Um, really sorry. Really sorry for the wait, sir. Um, your total is whatever it was, more than it should have been, right? Now, when you wait in line at the drive-thru for 18 minutes, you usually expect them to, you know, offer you, yo, you want a, you want a free small drink? Can I offer you a pastry? 
can I, you know, something for your for your waiting there? Nope, none of that. He just wanted my credit card. So I give him my credit card and uh, I, I, I get the food and I pull up and I look in the bag and this bowl of soup looks like a cup of soup to me. It's basically, as I'm looking down on it, the size of the lid is like the size of a round coaster. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. A, they gave me the wrong kind of soup. Or no, they gave me the wrong amount of soup. And I'm overpaying for it. And B, if I take this home and I got a cup instead of a bowl, my wife's going to be freaking mad, right? Because she's going to be hungry. Bowl, the cup ain't going to do it. She needs the bowl. I mean, especially when you're just eating soup, right? So I pull over. I call her, my wife. I send her a picture of the bag, and she goes, uh, "That doesn't look like a that doesn't look like a bowl." And I go, "Yeah, I didn't think so." And she goes, "Oh no, don't worry about it. Just come home. It's fine. I know you've been waiting there a long time." And I said, "No, no, I'm going in. I'm going in." So I park. I go in. I stand in the bakery line on accident because there's nobody over at the other counter. Finally, this girl walks up to the other counter, doesn't ask like, oh, can I help you? Nope, she's just there, right? So I walk over. She looks like she's new, which is maybe good for me. I don't know. And because uh, I figured maybe, maybe she'll just like give me something for free or she'll fix, she'll take care of it because she doesn't want any problems, right? So I go, hi, um, I just ordered a cup of soup, and I was really nice about it. I just ordered a cup of soup, and or no, I ordered a bowl of soup. So I'm, I'm even confusing myself now. I ordered a bowl of soup, and I um, I think I got a cup of soup. So I open the bag. She looks in the bag. She goes, she goes, yeah, yeah, that that. Or I'm, I'm using the guy's voice though. She goes, yeah, that's that's a that's a cup of soup. And I was like, okay, well, I ordered a bowl, so. You know, I'm not telling her what to do, but it's kind of obvious, right? She goes, oh, um, can you give me one minute? And and then again, it, it starts all over again. She talked to three or four other employees before they could figure out what they needed to do. And after she talked to the three or four employees, the one employee came over who might have been a manager. She looks like she was the assistant to the regional manager, if you know what I mean. She was the assistant to the regional manager. And she comes up and she goes, oh, sir, um, what's the problem? And I said, well, I ordered a bowl of soup and, you know, she told me that I have a cup. She's like, oh, okay. Well, do you have your, did you order this in here or did you order it in the drive-thru? How is that relevant? How is that relevant? I said, well, I ordered it in the drive-thru. Okay, well, do you have your receipt? Oh, my gosh, I'm starting to. To get offended, right? I just went through the drive-thru. I sat there for 18 freaking minutes. And then do you really think, do you really think that I would wait that long, park my car, come in, wait in the long line, wait in the wrong line like an idiot, and then tell you that I ordered the one thing and it was the other thing and I'm making it up. Maybe maybe some people do. I don't know. Maybe some people do that, right? But I said, yeah, sure. My receipt's here. Give her the receipt. And uh, she, oh, yeah. Yeah, you ordered a bowl. Oh, I did order a bowl. Imagine that. Two minutes later, I get a uh, thing of soup. Comes out. It's a bowl. 
And I look at it and I think to myself, hmm, that looks kind of small, but it's kind of a deep cup. So maybe it's, maybe that's the bowl, right? And it had to be the bowl because they were all there witnessing this person giving me the bowl. They would have said something if it was another cup. And I was like, hmm, that uh, top of the bowl sort of looks like the uh, top of the cup. Oh, well, I'm getting out of here. So get out of there, drive home. Tell my wife, oh, what a pain. She'd been waiting. What a pain. I waited in line forever. The whole story I told you guys, but I told it shorter. So I opened the bag up, and by this time, I'm starting to giggle. I'm starting to giggle, and I go, you know what? You know what? Please, 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 just one time, throw me a bone. Universe, throw me a bone on eating at Panera. I've gotten plenty of bones thrown in other ways. I've had it pretty good. I'm very blessed, right? But I mean, when it comes to eating at Panera, throw me a freaking bone. Throw me a bone. Took the new bowl of soup out, put it on the counter. Took the other bowl of soup out and put it on the counter and proceeded to hoop and holler for two minutes and told Panera where they could shove it because I got a free bowl of soup. (laughs) Oh, and the and the thing is, the thing is, I uh, hold on a minute. I'm gonna cut. Man, my wife's calling me. I'll cut and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. So, uh, so I did the happy dance. Got my my got my free bowl of Paneras. And here's the thing: I went in not knowing if it was a bowl or a cup, and I asked. I didn't insist and say, "Hey, I got the wrong thing." I asked, "Is this a bowl or a cup?" They said it was a cup. I got a bowl, they gave me another bowl, that's on them. Usually, like if I go to a store and they forget to charge me for something, I'll go back and I'll take care of it. But after all that hassle and the fact that I asked them point blank which it was and they said the wrong thing and they gave me another bowl, that's it. That's it. Because this piggy banks, okay, real quick, because I know you guys are going to click off here if I don't start talking about fishy stuff, but that goes hand in hand with another experience I had with them where I ordered online, I went there, I picked it up, I brought it home, and a couple of the things in the order were wrong. And I called the store and I said, hey, you know, I got home and this was wrong and this was wrong. Um, Is there anything you could do about it? And you want to know what they told me? What would you think they should have told me? Oh, sir, you know, bring your receipt in and uh, we'll, you know, we'll take care of it. I'll make a note here and, you know, we'll give you a $5 gift card or we'll give you a free bagel or a free piece of bread that you don't know the name of or whatever. You, we'll give you something. You'd think they would say that. You know what they told me? They said, oh, sir, well, um, what you could do is you could give us your name and then the next time you place an online order, make sure you use your same name and we'll be sure to double check your order. Are you freaking kidding me? I'm going to give you my name so when I order, you can make certain that you're doing your job. Unbelievable. Anyway, so that's my Panera story. Enough of Panera. Sorry, guys. I'm going to maybe I can watermark this and move you to the fish stuff so you can get past the Panera story. But okay. Now we're on to the fishy part of the Fish Tank Guy podcast, and I've I've got a couple I've got a couple things that I'd like to do with the fish 
part of the podcast. Probably every podcast I'm going to try to talk about something going on. I can touch on like some current event maybe things for maybe like five to ten minutes. And then the rest of the time I'll talk about fish stuff. That way it's not all fish because that would be a little extreme. And it's also not all um, me just talking about me stuff. What do I got going on here? I got something on my monitor. It looks like a, oh, it's like a watermark. I just, all right. Anyway, okay, so the first thing that I want to talk about on my Fish Tank Guy podcast, it's going to be a segment that I call quote-unquote friendly debates. And that's because oftentimes in the fish community, people will go back and forth on the, the right way to do things or the wrong way to do things or, oh, this is how they do things now or, no, you need this amount of this in your tank. You need to feed this much. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about something that has been brought to my attention that I personally am not sure of, at least the science behind it. I'm going to do the research. And then I'm going to talk to you guys about what I found. And then you guys can kind of make a decision for yourself. So the first quote-unquote friendly debate topic today is going to be about the drip method of acclimating fish. This is a widely accepted method. It's on many websites. And it's it's pretty common knowledge, especially in the saltwater aquarium hobby that you need to acclimate your fish to the water because of the differences in salinity and pH and things like that. So if you don't know what the drip method is, the drip method is essentially, you know, you float your bag in the water a little bit to get the water temperature correct. And then you run a tube from your tank into the bag and you sort of crimp that tube. So your aquarium water slowly drips into the bag that your fish is in that way the water will slowly like even out and then when you put them into your tank they will be fine they will live they will live it's not always the case they don't always live let's be honest they don't always live even if you do it the right way they don't always live okay you just gotta just mentally and emotionally prepare yourself don't get too attached on the ride home because sometimes they're just not gonna make it I give them two weeks before you name them. That's my rule of thumb. Two weeks. Okay. Anyway, here we go. This this uh, this topic is brought to you by Todd Hazlett. Hazlett. I'm sorry. H a y s l e t t. He is a user on YouTube. He left a comment on one of my messages on one of my videos. I'm losing it. And uh, I'm just gonna read you his comment um, verbatim. Okay. Yeah, okay, he wrote, never use the drip method. Research has shown that the bag closed, that with the bag closed, ammonia does not spike in the bag. But as soon as you open it, a reaction with the oxygen in the air makes it explode and it can climb to deadly levels in under five minutes with the bag open. Or if you put the bag water in a container and try dripping. Best method is just to float them, then net them right out of the bag, or no, then net them out of the bag right into the tank. Slight differences in pH, salinity, and hardness are much less harmful to fish than ammonia. Okay, so I saw this comment and I was immediately interested. Is this a, is this a real thing? Is this true? Um, 
I hadn't really heard about it, but uh, so I decided to do some research. Okay, so the first thing I did was I just did a quick Google search and I went through a few message boards on Fish Tank websites and there were some other people saying the same thing. Now, I know this person isn't a good source, but I'm just going to quote them because they have like the most scientific explanation and then I'll go into a couple other sources in a minute and you guys can, you know, you can choose you choose to agree or disagree, whatever you want. Okay. So this person, I, I didn't write down their their forum name, but uh, okay, this is what they wrote. Many wholesales, wholesalers recommend to not acclimate fish after they ship for over 12 to 24 hours. Fish in the confined space of a plastic shipping bag can produce quite a bit of ammonia, even if they haven't been fed prior. Fortunately, fish also produce quite a bit of CO2. Why would CO2 be a good thing? Well, CO2 forms carbonic acid in ocean water, which drives the pH down. As we all know, we all know that. We all know that CO2 forms carbonic acid in ocean water, which drives the pH down. This this is one of the reasons why I created the Saltwater Rookie series. I used to read this stuff and have no clue. I still have no clue. I still have no clue with that, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, we all know that. We all know that. I don't even know why I wrote it, right? So with a pH substantially lower than that of natural seawater, all the ammonia the fish produces during shipping ionizes or turns into ammonium, which is substantially less toxic, at least during the short time during shipping. So that's a good thing, right? When fish in their bag water are exposed to the drip acclimation or atmospheric oxygen levels, the CO2 in the water off gases and the pH rises, leading to ammonium turning into ammonia. Yikes. This swift spike in ammonia can cause certain death for fish that are left to acclimate for too long. Long story, long story, long story short, there will be high ammonia levels in the shipping bags they are in, but as long as they are removed from their bag water in a timely fashion, the ammonia should naturally not pose too great of a threat to them. So first off, very detailed. Thank you to that guy on whatever website that was on, on whatever message board, whenever you posted it. Thank you. That was interesting. Now, I don't know if I believe that just reading that by itself, but we're going to see if, you know, we find a little more information about it, okay? So that right that bit right there. Now here's the key that I'll point out about that comment. Most wholesale many wholesalers recommend to not acclimate fish after they ship for over 12 to 24 hours. That's the key. Because some of us are ordering our fish online some of us are buying our fish from a local fish store and we don't have them in a bag for anywhere near 12 to 24 hours. So that is just one thing to consider, you know. They didn't say if that applies to if you purchase a fish at a local fish store or if the fish has been in the bag for 3 or 4 hours or something like that. So we're going to see if we can find out a little more. All right. So, I did some more Google searching, searching on Google and I stumbled across a website called Aquatic Dreams Aquariums, which is a local fish store in Massachusetts. This is what they wrote about ammonia 
when acclimating fish. Ammonia builds up in the shipping water due to fish and invertebrate waste in the bag. The lower pH in the shipping bag renders the ammonia less toxic. Now, that matches what the guy, you know, forum guy said. After temperature acclimation, we recommend a few drops of a commercial ammonia neutralizer, such as Amquil. I use Prime. I'm putting that in there. I use Prime. Be added to the bag water. So that's interesting. That's something different than we read in the first article. Once the neutralizer is added, begin adding tank water to the bag and removing shipping water gradually until you have exchanged at least 75% of the water or proceed with drip acclimation at this time. So, as you acclimate, the pH will rise back up to tank levels and the ammonia will be diluted out. Never acclimate without ammonia neutralizer because as the pH in the bag rises, the ammonia in the bag becomes more toxic and will cause excess respiratory stress to the fish slash invertebrate there you go so aquatic dreams they're on the same page except now this time they recommend using an ammonia neutralizer i got a little lost in there when they were talking about exchanging water at least 75 or then proceed oh or proceed with drip acclimation oh okay so they're just saying you can either use drip acclimation or you can do faster acclimation by just you know manually removing water and manually putting some in not dripping it in okay all right so now we have two we got we got two sources we got forum guy we got aqua dreams all right now we're going to move on to the next one i found swiss tropicals you would think that might be in Switzerland, but it's in Minnesota. <laughs> Swiss tropicals. Oh, sweet cheese. Cheese. No. Yeah. The cheese state. Is Minnesota the cheese state? Maybe it's like Swiss cheese, not, not Swiss. This is Switzerland. Okay. All right. I'm going to read what Swiss tropicals in Minnesota, in Minnesota has to say about it. Okay. The common advice is to float the bag with your newly arrived fish to adjust the temperature, but that makes no sense at all. They got it in bold. That makes no sense at all. Why am I saying that? Well-packaged fish can survive two to three days in a bag without any problems. That's a very good point. The water may be cold and a bit filthy, but the metabolism of the fish has slowed down because conditions in the bag have worsened gradually and they have adapted. When you warm up the dirty water... The metabolism kicks back in, and the fish get terrified due to the light and warmth. If the bag remains closed, low oxygen levels may now lead to suffoca suffocation because the fish panic and use more oxygen. In normal fish bags, here we go, there is also an excess of carbon dioxide, CO2, which means that the pH has dropped slowly because of the continuous formation of carbonic acid, obviously, right? We all know that. CO2 forms carbonic acid. We all know that. However, as soon as you open the bag, this goes back to my YouTube comment. The CO2 quickly es escapes quickly and the pH can rush up from below 6 to over 7.5. If there is any ammonium present, it will quickly turn into ammonia that burns the gills, fins, and skin of your fish. The higher the temperature, the faster this process becomes. So there you go. There is a third source on saying that it's a, a real thing. It's a real thing. But again, 
They're talking about bags, fish that have been in bags for two to three days. Maybe not quite that long, but that's you know the, one of the time periods they mentioned. They can survive two to three days in a bag without any problems. All right. Now the same website, Swiss Tropicals. Their next paragraph is quote unquote a better way. All right. When you unpack, pour the fish immediately with some transport water into an open container so their bodies are covered. Careful, some may jump. Then add water from the new tank using a cup. Wait, then add water from the new tank. Add water from your tank, your existing tank, using a cup so the temperature is barely increasing. If the transport water is very cold, use cold water for the change. Okay. The point is to replace the transport water with all the filthy stuff quickly and then bring the temperature up slowly by either waiting or gradually adding warmer water. So they're basically doing the temperature acclimation part, but instead of you know putting the bag in the tank, they're pouring the fish and the water into a container and they're slowly adding warmer water to that container. All right. Once the temperature is within 3 to 4 degrees, take the net and move the fish to their new home. Discard all the transport water. You will rarely lose fish that way. The slow process also allows for pH to... Gra- okay, okay, it's saying it's a slow process. Okay, gradually adding warmer water. They don't say how long, but now they're saying it's a slow process. It allows the pH to gradually adjust without shocking your fish. Okay. Now that's interesting. So a better way, they're essentially just saying, don't float the bag, put the fish with the water in a container and add tank water from your tank gradually to gradually bring the temperature of the water up. They don't say how long this process should take, but they say you should gradually add warmer water. So there you go. So that's your third source. We got Forum Guy, Aqua Dreams, and we got Swiss Tropicals. I got one more. Okay, the fish site. It's kind of like the fish tank guy, but it's just a fish site. I believe these folks are located in England. So now we're getting the, you know, we're getting an international take on it. We're getting some foreign relations here when it comes to fish. Let's see what they have to say. Okay, all right. Last one. Once the fish arrived, once a all right. Once the fish arrive. They should be removed from the boxes as quickly as possible. Okay, this is I, I'm already lost. They should be removed from the boxes as quickly as possible once they are properly acclimated to the receiving water. Okay, I'm just gonna keep going. When opening the boxes, take into account that the fish have been in the have been in the dark. Boxes should be opened slowly in a dimly lit, in a dimly lit area where possible. All right, here we go. The pH in the bags will often be much lower because carbon dioxide is built up during shipment. The ammonia levels... Sorry, I'm yawning here. I've had a long day. The ammonia levels may have may be ele- elevated, the dissolved oxygen low, and the temperature different than that of the receiving water. Okay, slowly add water from the receiving tanks to the bags, and if possible... Also, float them in the receiving tanks to equalize the temperature before removing the fish from their bags. Be aware that increasing pH suddenly in a bag with high ammonia concentration right here can lead to problems. 
So monitor fish throughout the process and consider using ammonia binding agents. Good acclimation should take as long as 30 minutes so the fish can slowly adjust their new conditions. Okay, so the England site, England site is rubbish. It's rubbish. It's bollocks. That's what they say, right? Pantaloons. <laughs> Pantaloons. Um, they, they're all over the place, the, the England site. Okay, so you guys can maybe rewind and listen to this and see what you think. But Oh, oh one other thing I was going to do before I give you what my recommendation would be after reading this research is I was going to go on LiveAquaria.com and SaltwaterFish.com, two of the largest online fish sellers, and see if they say anything about this whole ammonia with the oxygen becoming toxic in the bag bit. I'm not going to read everything they say here, but I'm on Live Aquaria. This is their new arrival acclimation guide. All right. And... If you look through the floating method, nothing. You look through the drip method, nothing. Okay? Underneath underneath the process, there's two processes listed, floating and drip. Underneath both of those, down below all the pictures, there are some more things. It says important facts. Important facts. Okay? Here is the only place on Live Aquaria where this is mentioned. And this is the entirety of it being mentioned. There is a bullet point and it says, Never place an air stone into the shipping bag when acclimating your new arrival. This will increase the pH of the shipping water too quickly and expose your new arrival to lethal ammonia. Boom! There it is. But all they say is don't put an air stone in the bag, which most people aren't going to do anyway, unless they think that the, the fish is going to be um, running out of oxygen. They're not going to do that anyway. So there you go, live aquaria. All right? They basically say nothing. Let's check out saltwaterfish.com. Saltwaterfish. Okay. Let's see. Acclimation. They say, uh, okay. If you use the correct acclimation procedure, your success will increase a hundredfold. All right. They go on to basically describe the drip method. And let me look here. They go through, talk about siphoning, adjusting the flow. Not once in this entire paragraph do they even use the word ammonia. They don't use the word ammonia even once, so they don't mention it at all. Nothing. They talk about temperature. They talk about probably salinity. Talk about salinity? I don't even... No, they just say varying conditions. They don't even say salinity. Okay? So Live Aquaria says basically nothing. Saltwaterfish.com says nothing. All right? However, Forum Guy, Aqua Dreams, Swiss Tropicals, and the fish site all say that this is a real thing. So I'm going to give you guys my take on it. My take on it is it's probably a real thing. It's probably a real thing. And I would I would recommend that in any condition, whether it is one hour, 24 hours, two days, three days, 10 minutes, 
If I were you, I would put a very small amount of an ammonia neutralizer, such as Amquil or Prime, to your bag. And then I would just keep the amount of acclimation time to a minimum. I would keep it under 30 minutes. And I think you'll be okay. I think you'll be okay. However, you know, for fish that are in transport for a long, long time, hey, I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe if you guys have any advice or you've ran into this situation before or you have a way that you do it that works for you. Oh, man. Ugh. I don't think I just, I think I just have a problem talking for a long amount of time without yawning. Anyway, um, <clears throat> if you have experience with this and you've lost some fish or you never lose fish, I'd appreciate getting some input and then maybe I'll revisit this topic on a future podcast and see what people have come up with. Okay, I'm way over my 30 minute mark, but I'm just going to keep on moving on. All right, my next segment is called the YouTube Tank to Check Out. If you have a better segment name for that, please give it to me. I was feeling not creative today. YouTube Tank to Check Out. Sounds pretty lame. It just sounds like I'm talking. YouTube, I was trying to think like YouTube Tank to... I was coming up with another T, like another T word to... to... To thoughtfully take in. No, no, no. I don't know. Anyway, YouTube t- YouTube tank checkout. So every time I do a podcast, I'm going to find a tank that I think is neat. It might not be <clears throat> the absolute coolest tank or the cleanest tank. And it might not, you know, be amazing. But I think it's a neat tank. And I'm just going to give the video a shout out and you guys should check it out. Uh, just for ideas. Just for seeing what other people are doing. All right. This week's YouTube tank to check out. That's a... Th- Crappy name. Somebody please come up with something other than that. Um, you're going to have to look up the 10-gallon Nano Reef update, day 499, by Saltwater Reefer. He's got a really cool tank. <clears throat> As in the title, it's a 10-gallon tank, but that thing is jammed. It's jammed full. I think he has three fish in there. He's got a whole bunch of coral. It's pretty cool. You guys should check that out. So... That is my YouTube tank to check out this week on uh, episode one of the Fish Tank Guy podcast. Okay, and now, without further ado, the final segment of the podcast is going to be the Fish of the Week. And for my first, very first Fish of the Week, I'm going with a crowd favorite, personal favorite, pretty obvious pick, Ocellaris Clownfish. I'm going to tell you a little bit about the clownfish according to Live Aquaria. I will tweak what they have said based on my own personal experience or based on what other people have told me. And, uh, you know, you can think about getting an Ocellaris clownfish if it sounds cool. So, the Ocellaris clownfish. Here are some quick stats from liveaquaria.com. I'm not sponsored by them, by the way. I'm just going there for reference point because people tend to think that they are the Bible when it comes to ordering fish online. Okay. Quick stats. Minimum tank size, 30 gallons. False. Disagree with that. You can definitely get by with a 10-gallon tank. Um, I don't know if I'd put two in a 10-gallon tank, but you could easily put one in a 10-gallon tank. Care level, easy. I agree. Temperament, peaceful. Mm, mostly. And peaceful to moderate. 
Reef compatible, yes. Water conditions, the same as everything else. I'm not going to read that. Max size, 3 inches. Color form, black and orange. And white. Where is the white? Clownfish are just not orange and black. Those would be special clownfish that have special names. The, the regular Ocellaris clownfish is orange, black, and white. Black and white. Orange, black, and white. Diet omnivore. I think that means uh, I'll eat anything. And uh, family, Pama Sentry Day. I don't know what that is. Let's see. All right. I'm going to go through the overview real quick. We're going to wrap it up here. The Aura Ocellaris Clownfish maybe one of the aquarium industry's most popular marine fish. There you go. Maybe. Maybe. Definitely is. It's beautiful orange body dress with white bands. There it is. They put it right in their overview. They didn't have it in the color quick stat chart. It's beautiful orange body dressed with white bands outlined in black. Instantly distinguishes the Ocellaris Clownfish. Very nice. Uh, let's see. The member of the Pama whatever family is an excellent addition to any saltwater aquarium system. Um, what makes this specific? Ooh, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. You learn something new every day. I didn't, I didn't even read this beforehand. What makes this specific variety even more appealing to aquarists, aquarists, I don't know, is the fact that each Ocellaris clownfish is captive bred to help protect the fragile reef environments of the world. So where did they come from? I'm guessing they're out in the ocean too. We caught a whole bunch and now we just breed them. That's probably how that worked. Okay. Let's see. The captive bred Ocellaris clownfish has has other unique advantages over well wild harvested species. For one, the Ocellaris clownfish is very hardy and more accustomed to conditions found in home aquariums. Therefore, it makes a great choice for novices and seasoned aquarists. Somebody tell me how to say that, please. Aquarists alike. They can also be kept with a variety of other captive bred clownfish if introduced into the aquarium at the same time. Very nice. Okay, they go on to talk about uh, pairing up and the fish will stay close together. They're an egg layer. Deposit the eggs on a flat surface and defend the eggs from other tank mates. I've heard that you don't want that to happen. I've heard that uh, if clownfish lay eggs, they get nasty. Like parents protecting their children. They get nasty. You want to avoid that, I think. Alright, and then last point. This clownfish is an aggressive eater. It will accept most meaty foods and frozen herbivore preparations. I'll tell you, I 100% agree with that. Aggressive eater. I've got two clownfish in my bio cube. For those of you guys who follow me, I've got two. Oh, I forgot to do a segment. I forgot to do a segment. The segment is where are my tanks at or where... Personal tank time, or I don't know what I was going to call it. Fun with my home tanks, tanks at home. I don't know. I need a name for that too. I'll, I'm way, I'm way over, so I'll skip that. I'll do that next time. But um, uh, I have two clownfish in my bio cube. One is Raylan, and one is Winona. Winona is the bigger one, and she is an aggressive freaking eater. Ron, my yellow Watchman goby. He barely gets any food because she will literally eat every piece of food that I put in that tank for two or three minutes. She'll eat every piece. I don't know how she doesn't choke on them. It's crazy. 
So yeah. But hey, oscillators, clownfish are cool. That's why they're my first fish of the week. If you're looking to start a saltwater aquarium and you're not sure what you're doing like I was originally and you want to get something cool that looks nice and it's brightly colored and they have... These fish have some personality, I'll tell you. You should go with the Oscillaris Clownfish. You won't go wrong with that. So, all right. Well, hey, there you have it. I'm the Fish Tank Guy. This was uh, the Fish Tank Guy podcast episode uno. Thank you guys for listening. If you listened this long, I doubt it. I very much so doubt it. I went over 40 minutes. You're not going to listen to me ramble on for that long. But, hey, if you made it this far, good for you. Kudos. And uh, that's all I got to say. I hope you have a great week. And I'll see you back for another podcast in a couple of weeks. I'd appreciate your feedback. If you have any questions, send me some emails. I'll do some uh, you know, listener emails if I get some. So, okay. I'll uh, see you guys soon. Until a future Fish Tank Guy podcast, I will see you guys soon. Take it easy.